This morning we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And I want to speak for just a few moments on the spirit and the church. This week I want to speak on the importance of the spirit and the church. Both are important and both should be working together to enhance the kingdom of God and to work the kingdom of God. And so we want to talk about that a little bit uh, more this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 22. Now therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Can you say that with me? Members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together, say fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together, say built together, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit, say in the Spirit. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning, you may be seated. You know, as we look at the book of Ephesians, it really is a very powerful book. Uh, I can tell you, and some of you may remember this, that it was one of Brother McKinley's favorite books in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I remember spending one year, and I'm not kidding about this, on Ephesians chapter 1. Well, praise God, I'm not going to spend a year on Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, but it is a very powerful book, and Paul is giving this word of God from prison. Imagine that. He is delivering this life-changing word from prison. And many times we want to complain that gas is $5 a gallon, but we're not sitting in prison. Amen? Uh, we're still free and we're still able to do what God has called us to do. And as Paul begins to write to the church of Ephesus, this is one of those books that can be applied to every church. Because it, they believe that it was sent out to not just Ephesus, but to all of the churches. And Ephesians chapter 1, you could substitute and not say Ephesus, but maybe say Versailles, Kentucky, and the churches there in uh, that community. So here, Paul had been preaching the word of God and forming churches and all kinds of stuff within those first, uh, within the three years making it a center for evangelism. And what he wanted to communicate to the people, what he wanted them to understand is that they can know God and that they can understand their purpose and their calling. Can I tell you this morning, we can understand what God has called us to do. Uh, we don't have to be at a deficit of not knowing what God has called us to do. We can understand him and understand how he has empowered us to work in his church. So look at your neighbor and say, we are the church. We are the church. We are the household of God that he talked about here in this word. We are the family of God. We are the body of Christ. Many uh, different ways that you can say it. 
In the Greek, this word, members of the household of God, is the word oikios. But it means to be devoted to or belonging to a house or a family. Hear this. Or related by blood. Ooh, I like that. You see, no matter if we're blood kin in the natural, we are united by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember it, and I, I hope I don't tear up this morning, but I remember my Aunt Maybelline, who always used to sing that we have the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through our veins. And she would uh, sing that, and she would get happy. And it is the truth, folks. It is that blood of Christ that unites us. It is that blood of Christ that covers us and uh, uh, makes remission for our sins. So we are related. Look at your neighbor and say, we're the church. We're, the church. we're family. We are blood related through Jesus Christ. Amen. We're the church. You see, if you have been saved, if you have been forgiven of your sins, if you have received Christ into your life, then my friends, you are a part of the church. We are the church and we are saved by the blood of Christ. But can I tell you that the church is important to the kingdom of God? Jesus himself said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will possibly build my church. He didn't say if we would uh, help that he would build his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, many times we look at the church and, and I, uh, forgive me, but this week I looked at a post on Facebook and all it did was talk about how bad the church of today is. Well, my friends, it might not be like it used to be, but the blood of Jesus Christ still unites us, still empowers us, and we can still do a work for the kingdom of God. You see, we are the church. Look at your neighbor and say it one more time. We're the church. You see, we are the emissaries of heaven. Sent upon a special mission. An emissary is a person or a group of people who are sent on a special mission. And what I want you to understand is that the church in all of its glory, the church in all of its uh, frailty, the church, no matter how we look at it, is a part of the kingdom plan of God. And it can be. And my friends, I believe it will be in the days, the last days that we live in. Yeah. It will be filled with power from the Holy Lord. Spirit. of the church. We don't understand how noble and how glorious the church. Adam Clark wrote this, wrote this, I want you to hear this. There is nothing as noble as the church, seeing that is the temple of God. There is nothing so worthy of reverence, seeing that God fills it. There is nothing so ancient since the patriarchs and the prophets worked to build it. 
There is nothing so solid since Jesus Christ is the foundation of it. There is nothing so high as the church since it reaches as high as to the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There is nothing so perfect and well proportioned since the Holy Spirit is the architect. Oh, hallelujah. There is nothing more beautiful because it is ordained, uh, it is adorned, I should say, with the building stones of every age, every place, every people, from the highest kings to the lowest peasants, and with the most brilliant scientists and the simplest believers. There is nothing more spacious since it is spread out over the whole earth. And it takes in all who have been washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. There is nothing, hear this, I want you to hear this part especially. There is nothing so divine since it is a living building animated and inhabited by the Holy Spirit. You see, we are not just brick and mortar and walls, but we are a spirit-filled church that is Church. The book of 
acts as a running narrative on that. That is the Holy Spirit who empowers the people of God to do the work of God, to a witness to the people. It is through God's people that the church grows. It is through the Holy Spirit empowered God people that the church grows. Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. You see, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. We think about those disciples. We think about those apostles. And they were ordinary men. Amen. Peter, the one who I mean, is always looked up to, the one who they, they say that he was the cornerstone. He was not the cornerstone. Christ was the cornerstone of the church. And they were normal uh, people. But they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Peter could open up his mouth and say the wrong thing. And Jesus would tell him, uh, back up Satan. Uh, I don't want to hear that. I'm still going to do the work of God that God's called upon me. You see, it is the church that is empowered with the Holy Spirit that will do the work of God. So we shouldn't think about our inabilities, but our abilities through the Holy Spirit. Spirit-inspired preaching of Peter. That man who, when Jesus was about to be taken, who reached down and pulled out his sword and cut off Malchus' ear, and Jesus had to reapply it. Wow, wouldn't that have been amazing to be there? That same Peter, who said, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. That same Peter, who had the uh, ability, it seemed, to always... Uh, do the wrong thing at the wrong time. That same spirit inspired Peter preached to the congregation there, to the people spread out, and 3,000 souls were brought into the kingdom of God. Oh, my friends, don't tell me that you can't do something for God because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit That's right. to do a work for God. See, God could have done it differently, but he chose to use us believers and adding to the body of Christ. Revelation 22, 17. I preached from it just a few weeks ago. The spirit and the bride say come. That the Holy Spirit not only constitutes the church. And not only adds to the church. But the Holy Spirit unites the church. That is powerful. The Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 says. Make every effort. To keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Without unity, where would the church be? You see, it is the unity of the spirit that allowed the Holy Spirit to move in the midst of his people. When there is no unity, there is no moving of the Holy Spirit. God blesses unity. The Bible is very emphatic about that. That God blesses people when they come together to do a work for the kingdom of God. And if not for the uh, unity of the spirit, the disciples would never have been able to control the explosive growth of the church. Right. See, we think about they just, you know, having a great time. Holy Spirit's moving. And they were having a great time. But imagine if this church overnight, one day, I preached about one day last week. In one day from 120, we're not even there, but 3,000 people the next day. 
How do you organize that? How do you control that? How do you uh, build the systems that need to be in place? Because you cannot just let it run wild because uh, people get kind of crazy. Can I get an amen? Uh, amen. And so you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to put people in the right places at the right time so that the church will not just stop at 3,000, but it will continue to grow. Yes. You see, it is the empowering of the Holy Spirit that gives us the systems and the unity that we use to grow the church. Acts 1.14 tells us they were with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts 2.1 tells us they were one accord, one accord in one place when the Spirit fell. Acts 2.46 says they were in one accord in the temple. Acts 4.24 says they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Can I tell you? church began to grow. Just tell it like it is sometimes. Amen? Amen. See, it was the empowering of the Holy Spirit that causes us to unite together for a like purpose. I would be so bold as to say that the church without the Holy Spirit cannot exist. Amen. The church cannot exist without the empowering and energizing power of the Holy Spirit. Right. You see, it's no coincidence that on the day of Pentecost, that there was a sound of a rushing mighty That is the same word that is identical to when Adam uh, was created and God breathed life. God breathed uh, new into him. God breathed uh, his breath into him. And Adam began and, and, and he lived and he was a living soul. You see, it is important that the church be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the church be breathed into by that Ruah of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I want you to know that the church needs that empowering. That's right. The wind, the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit. Look at the second part of this scripture. It tells us that the church is being fitted together and built together. That's, that's amazing. Here Paul begins to look at two things. He begins to compare the church to a temple or to a building. But he also begins to compare the church to a body. We have members in our body. Uh, with, without my heart beating, I am dead. If my heart continues to beat, but my kidneys shut down, they will You see, we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to unite us and to build us and to fit us together. I want you to know that you are not here by accident. You are not here just because your neighbor or your friend asked you to come, but you are involved in Cross Point Church because you fit together with the kingdom of God in this church. You're fit together. We fit each other. Like a puzzle. And without you here, I want you to understand this. Without you here, there is something missing. 
Pastor, I don't really do anything. I'm going to say this. Without you here, there's something vital missing. There's no little eyes and no, no big eyes and no little U's and all of that. You, you see, we are all important. If you stub your little toe, you will understand the importance of that little toe very quickly. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, and, and it will make you speak in tongues. Uh, and it will make... <laughs> God carefully constructed his church. And he built it. Why? So that it could be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. You see, God's not going to put his spirit into some piece of junk. But God will empower the church when he has built it and it has become what he designed it to be. We are a living, animated building, body of Christ. And he has filled us with his spirit. He has empowered us uh, with his spirit. He has caused us to be alive. A church without the Holy Spirit is like Ezekiel chapter 37 with those dead bones that are scattered all across the valley. You see, what did Ezekiel do? He began to prophesy to the bones. Here he is. He's brought by the Spirit. I believe he's either in a vision or he has been transported to this valley, literally. And there are bones scattered, and he sees this vision. And it is, uh, the Lord tells him, this is the house of Israel. I want to draw a comparison between the house of Israel and the house of God. And, and as he, he's there, and he looks around, and they, it is a bad situation. Come on, somebody help me out this morning. It is dry, it is very dry, is what he says. And he begins to prophesy the word of God. And the bones begin to clack and to click and begin to come together. And the sinew and the tissue and the skin begin to form upon that body. But what you see there is the work of the word. It is to put things together in the right way. Can I get an amen? It is to constitute the church. But that body, there was still something wrong with that body. Because it had no breath inside of it. And we need the breath of the Holy Spirit inside of the church. And not only, I'm just going to preach it out. Uh, not only did the breath of God enter into that, uh, those bodies and begin to animate them, but the power began to flow through them. And not only did it just begin to flow, and they weren't just moving uh, like some crazy uh, person. They were animated to be soldiers of the kingdom of God. to do with his church. That's why we need the word to get us on the same page, moving together, systems running together, everybody coming together in unity. But we can have all the great programs and all the systems alive in the church and without the spirit we'll be nothing but dead bodies. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to animate his church to be soldiers in the kingdom. Soldiers. 
Why did Jesus say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Because that spirit-empowered body of Christ, the church, can stand against the enemy. Not only stand against it, but take off. Somebody hear this this morning. But take back territory that the enemy has tried to take from you. Infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in this world. 